It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. And I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In this week's episode of the Professional Homegirl Podcast, we take a deep dive into the world of being the other woman, shedding light on the emotional complications and motivations behind one's choices. During this episode, my guests will shed light on the hidden truths of being the other woman in relationships for almost 20 years and the dynamics at play. Join us as my guest shares her journey as we navigate the tangled web of emotions and human connections, aiming to better understand the intriguing aspect of being the other woman. So to my guests, thank you so much for coming on the show. How you doing? How you feeling? Hey, I'm feeling great. Feeling great. Okay, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you sharing your story. I look forward to it. (laughs) Now, a few years ago, you shared your experience of being the other woman. What motivated you to open up and share your story with others? Going through perimenopause, facing a eviction in a state that I was brand new to and realizing for the first time in my life that I had no one. Mm. So it kind of really forced me to take a look at myself and say, yeah. okay, I earned it. I, I earned what I see or don't see around me. Right. 
So. And what were some of the responses you received? And I'm pretty sure a lot of them um, was kind of critical and harsh. <laughs> so how did you handle that? It was it was fair. Um, I put my story out there with, with the you know idea that I'm going to get a lot of negative feedback at at first right. because that's what I really got. The for the first few months, I got a whole lot of negative things. You know, I'm not. No, you can say shit. <laughs> yeah, that shit. <laughs> but you know. Like I said, I'm addressing a lot of hurt. So a lot of that was, you know, a lot of comments that were being brought to me was so like purely out of hurt because I could hear it. Even in the comments, it's like, how could you do this? Or how could you do that? And it kind of put me in the shoes of all of the women that were actually coming at me. And that was a whole lot of pain to have to absorb. I'm not going to lie. When I was reading the comments, and I know a lot of people may not agree to cheating or infidelity whatever but a lot of them comments were mean as hell i was like and then especially when you started shedding more in your story which we'll do here today i was just like damn like they didn't even give you a chance to like (laughs) i was like god damn straight for the throat (laughs) i mean straight for the juggler (laughs) but i expected it you know it's one of those things where it's like right um i was i've never hidden my relationships, you know, mm-hmm. I couldn't hide it with my children. So I had to be honest. I, I don't like having to, you know, of course, be a secret. I didn't like it, but I dealt with it because of where I was at in place in my life. Right. So I, I, a lot of women, they don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear my side of the story. Right. I brought too much pain. Like I was like, can you re- blame them, though? Not at all. Right. Not at all. Because it's coming from a place of hurt. Right. Having to see what my part in a relationship did to another woman, it took something away from me as a woman. Mm. Because I inflicted that kind of pain. And I couldn't just live with that and not acknowledge it after all of these years. You know what I'm saying? It right. Just, it wouldn't feel right to the universe, especially when I'm asking God to please, you know, heal me from the ground up. I got to be able to acknowledge everything. Right. So. so what impact does the portrayal of side checks in the media and popular culture have on shaping individuals' perceptions and choices in real life? Because I feel like a lot of people glorify being the side chick or being the favorite chick, even if she's not the main chick. Um, I think the problem is nobody really understands how detrimental it can be. Right. And- when I've had, I've actually had to do a video about the glorifying. It's not about glorifying, at least not on my behalf. Right. I, I, I didn't glorify my relationship because I wasn't proud of the fact that I was causing another, you know, I was causing a bunch of people pain. I didn't know this at the time. Mm-hmm. I really didn't. I was just in love. Right. You know, I was in love in, in a possible situation. I had my space. He had his space. I had my kids and it, it fit for me because I wasn't the type of parent to raise my children around a bunch of men. I didn't. Right. So at the time it was just like, Oh, he's got somebody. I don't got to worry about him staying over and trying to control me or my kids. He can just go home. Right. Right. But it got complicated because then I fell in love. And you know, once you fall in love, Girl, please. <laughs> it's a wrap. It's, it's a rizap, you know, and people are like, well, how come you couldn't walk? Because I just couldn't. I came from an abusive relationship. 
Mm. I knew what that side of, of the relationship felt like. And when I fell in love and it was the first time I'd ever felt that, I couldn't walk away. Right. No. And it was so funny because the day I really remembered, I remember it like it was yesterday. And when I acknowledged to myself that I fell in love with this man, I was so sad because I knew what to expect. Mm. To expect because I had just come out of a relationship prior to as being the second wife in an Islamic religion. Right. That's all I've known. That's all I've known. Right. You know, we're gonna so, get into that because I feel like you know I share with the listeners like, hey, I share them with share with them the topic and like if y'all have any questions, let me know. And like I said, not to like like I I just felt like when I was watching your stories and hearing you speak and stuff like heartache is no joke, man. Regardless of no. which end of the stick you're on, like. That shit really hurts. Like, and I feel like once we get more into your background, and not to say that I'm condoning or agreeing, but it's just it is it's it's very unfortunate. It is and, and I, it's hard. Yeah, and I felt I, I really did feel for you because I'm like, damn, like I can tell that you was literally you just wanted to be love. Yeah. Like we all do. Yeah. You know, sometimes sometimes we look for it in the wrong places. Sometimes we misconstrue what love is supposed to look like or feel like. You know, yeah. we have pitched in our mind and then what we do is we project that idea of love onto the person that we want to love us back and then we kind of wait around hoping that they're gonna see the same picture we see right or looking for love that we never had exactly yeah. but then again no we don't know what it feels like we just explore right <laughs> so do you think that a woman can truly love another woman's man yes 100 <laughs> percent you didn't even hesitate. Not at all. Not at all. Because you couldn't tell me because you could not tell me that I did not love that man. And mm. I, it wasn't about her loving him more than me. You know, unfortunately, I was one of those that I just wanted to know that I could love him more than her. Mm-hmm. You know, that was my goal. It was it was a game from not necessarily a game, but I realized later on that it was my need to compete for love. Right. Because oh, I was raised around, well, I wasn't raised around my father, but whenever I was around him, he always made me have to compete with my other siblings just for a for little his bit attention. of attention. Yeah. Yeah. So I took that and I kind of manifested that into my first relationship and then my second. And then, so I've been by myself for about five years now. Yeah. We're going to get into that because I know you've been celibate. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I've been celibate for almost four years. Sometimes it's like, mm. yeah. Sometimes you just need to just just be with yourself because these niggas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, the older I get, it's like it's the conversations just getting simpler and simpler and simpler yeah, with same. Especially when you're really doing the work on yourself. Like I just, you can't go backwards. No. So, do you believe that there are situations where some women feel like? they become the side chick because they feel like they're helping to fix a failing marriage or a relationship. Um, I, that was never my intention. But I do you I think don't that know. happens sometimes? I do. I, I think that some people want to be, you know, they want to be able to fix somebody else. Right. Like a project. <laughs> yeah. You know, because it's a lot easier than working on yourself. But for me, it was, it was, it wasn't like that. You right. Know? It was just, he, I liked how he made me feel. Right. He gave me the space to actually grow into myself as mm-hmm. opposed to what I was with before. Like, he did a lot of firsts for me. Mm-hmm. I was 
cuckoo for cocoa puffs behind you know behind it how many situations you been in like this two so the first one was was with the um your best friend yeah we were best friends and then the second mm-hmm. one was with the the last guy who you were with for like 10 years yeah so what was your childhood like like because i know like your father wasn't really there but what was the dynamic like with him and your mom well my mom she once she kind of found her spirituality and my father didn't want to follow suit she kind of just separated herself from him mm. eventually moving out of state taking my sister and i she moved me and my sister to Arizona. We were there for like three years. Then we moved to California. Then we moved to Florida. Oh, wow. <laughs> so she was like a free spirit. Yes, she was. Yes, mm. she was. All over the place. I mean, I was the only person on the block in Harlem who actually went freaking crystal mining and what it was? Herkimer diamond mining. People looked at me like I was insane. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you just came from little Arkansas. <laughs> right. And now you want to go crystal mining. <laughs> You know, like, ma, like, do we have to go? Right. But that was who she was. Did she ever talk to you about your dad? All the time. Very honest with him. Mm. An opportunity to really get to know him as a teenager. One day he was, like, in California. He was really sick. My mom found him in the hospital because I wanted him. Mm. This is how he loved me. Managed to get him up here, and he was still, you know, still kind of sick. So he stayed with us for a while. We were able to get out of an apartment. But I kind of really got an idea of who he was, and I understood why she walked away. But who, she never, ever said a mean thing about that man. And who was he? He was just, he was a chef. Mm-hmm. But he was just very hard man to love. Mm. Right? Um, I think his problem was, he told me that he couldn't love me the way I wanted him to love me because I looked too much like my mother. Mm. so that kind of really hit me yeah because my sister who's half white on my father's side you know he always was like he was like i want her attention i don't want your attention wow and my sister would be like i don't want his attention at all like my sister was so nonchalant about him she could not not necessarily, I can't say she couldn't stand him, but she just didn't have much like for her, our father. Right. Yo, that's so crazy because I'm pretty sure as a kid, they had to really mess with your psyche because you're a, a light-skinned woman. So the fact that, <laughs> like, that is crazy. You have, what's even crazier is that when we struggled, we never struggled in the ghetto parts of the States. My mom always found the trailer parts of the place. Why we couldn't struggle around black people, I don't know. Right. We struggled around white people, so it was extremely hard because I was always called a nigger. Right. Had to fight. I fought a lot in California. I fought a lot because I couldn't understand why I couldn't be liked. I couldn't understand. I couldn't wrap my mind around I mean, you was a kid. Yeah, but it was like I heard neighbors calling us niggers and I still didn't understand what the word meant. Right. You know, so when I got here to New York, I went into a culture shock because I didn't realize that there were so many black people that came in so many different colors. Yeah. Around me, I was the darkest out of all my friends because all my friends were white. Why she ain't go where the niggas was at? Oh, <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I really right. wish 
if she had, maybe I'd have a little bit more soul. I'd understand about R and B and the black culture. Like when I got up here, I was lost. Wow. I was lost. My friends tried to get me to understand the concept behind soul music and I just couldn't get it. Yeah, you wasn't raised on it. Yeah, I, I, give me rock, you know. I, I know Nirvana. I do but, like Nirvana now. <laughs> okay, no, but you know, I couldn't wrap myself around a lot of it, so I stayed isolated, and that was how I was able. Well, I wasn't able. That's how the first relationship started because he was six years older than me. He was my right. only friend. That's and he how was black. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Oh yeah, because he was Muslim. Yeah. My grandmother said, no, he was a nigger. No, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, no, he definitely was a nigger. I'm like, ain't no white Muslims now. <laughs> Allah ain't going for that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he was six years older than me. So do you feel like he took advantage of you? Because I feel like when you are born in certain, exactly, you, when you're born in, born in certain neighborhoods, you don't have like that, that wits about you because you just don't know. He didn't know. But of course he did. Of course he did. For three years, he played on me. For three years. And then one day we got evicted from our first apartment mm -hmm. that got here. And I was devastated. They stole all of my stuff, all right. of our stuff. And he told me that in order for us to be friends, I had to be his girlfriend. And at that time, I felt so lost because I didn't have anything. Right. And I was like... So I had to transition from being his best friend to being his girlfriend. So were you living with him? No. Mm. No. No, not, no, no, no. The time he was married. Wow. Because <laughs> he married, the, he marries in the religion. Right, right, right. He, I didn't realize until after he and I had separated that that's just what he does. He's been married about five, six more times since we got divorced in the wow. religion. Wow. Current wife is about my son's age, and my son's about 27, 28 years old. Yeah, so he likes younger women. So, when you look back on that, because that's a whole nother story, like how does that make you feel? Well, I mean, I would love to be able to say he grosses me out, but I can't because I have my children, you know, like they're the most beautiful part of him. Right. So, I just, I let him do his thing because whatever he has done in this lifetime and whatever karma comes his way he's earned it we right. don't speak i haven't spoken to him in over 20 plus years yeah once i got over the abuse and being afraid of him there was no reason for us to be in each other's space at all and he was physically abusive towards you he was toward the end when he realized that he couldn't break me the way he tried he tried to break my spirit he right. tried to break my spirit and when he couldn't he threatened to put my mom in a pine box I ain't gonna lie. I feel like when I was sharing your story, like people were being kind of mean, and they was like, "Well, you're being you're being sensitive with her because she's your guest." But I, I, I really, I, I know you had a hard life, man. Like it, <laughs> no, it really breaks my heart because I just feel like just coming from a broken family as well. Like you just be wanting that love and affection and just that security, and you just be looking for it, and you just find it in the wrong places, and and then people take advantage of you, and here we are, twenty years later. Like it's just, it's very unfortunate. You know, I mean, it was, but like I said, his his karma's coming for him. It was hard. He but, might be living in his karma. Yeah, you might be right. He's, you might be right. Like I said, right now, I'm... Right. I, yeah, just... Because he's the type that once we broke up, 
um, he quit his job to avoid paying child support. And then left Oh, the he one of those. <laughs> yeah. He was a correction officer. Oh, wow. They make a lot of money. He said he wasn't going to allow Uncle Sam to put their hand in his pocket for me. If I wanted to raise my kids, I was going to raise them by myself. And, that's, and that is exactly what I did. So how did you leave? Or what made you leave? Like, What was the last straw? I think the last time went... Okay. So I don't know. Somewhere down the line, I started feeling a separation. Like, a, like almost like an energy, a pulling of energy. And I started not talking back, but sticking up for myself. Right. And one day we got into this really big argument. And I guess I, he didn't like what I said. And he pushed me. And the way he pushed me, I fell on my tailbone, but he pushed me in front of my daughter. Mm. So that night, I went to go give her a kiss goodnight, and she, and I was like, she must have been about five or six years old. I says, what's wrong? She was like, why didn't you just be quiet? Mm. You're mad at me? Because I stood up for myself? (laughs) Exactly. So that's what made me say, nope, I refuse to have him influence my girls anymore. I'm done. Right. So would do his manipulating, oh, I'm leaving you because you ain't shit and I'm doing this and I'm doing that one. No one's ever gonna watch you with three kids. Okay. What I did after so many times of him you know, doing this, pushing that button, oh yeah, I know a button supposed to make her, you know, grovel and beg me to stay. So he went and did that and I politely went in the bathroom, I closed the door and I locked it. And I stayed in the bathroom for an entire hour until he left. Mm. I had to make leave and once he left he was not coming back mm. he tried but once i was able to finally get him out that door i knew i wasn't gonna let him back in i just right. needed i just needed enough strength to get him out the door i just had to call his bluff right and then you also needed your daughter yeah that was oh no uh-uh. yeah that hurt me so much because i'm like when i grew when i had an idea of what a relationship was like it wasn't supposed to be me raising my children by myself. What I was wanted, your idea? I wanted to raise my children with both parents. Mm-hmm. So I could give my kids what I never had. Oh, I'd be saying that too. Yeah, I, yeah. that's what I wanted to do. I, I didn't want to raise my children like the way I raised them. But it is what it is because, like I said, he did not want the children. When he and I broke up, he was like, I'm not cut out for this. Does he have children with his other wives? He had mm. two boys. Well, he has two. Well, his one, his youngest son committed suicide uh, two years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was kind of like one of those fuck you dad type things because he tried to commit him. He tried to commit suicide precisely on the date where they would have to bury him on his father's birthday. But they missed it by a day, I think it was, because, you know, they bury their their um, dead after three days. Right. And you can't tell me any different. That's what that boy tried to do. He tried to make that so his father would never forget. I mean, his father will never forget. Right. But on your birthday. Yeah, but it kind of gives you an idea of who the type of person he is. Right. And what was your relationship like with the other women, with his other wives? Like, were y'all... Um, well, I met her... See, all right, this is how the religion is supposed to go. From what I'm... From what I understand... When a Muslim man gets ready to take on a second wife, he's supposed to ask permission the, from the first, first wife. Right. Like, she's supposed to basically, it's like a, almost like a religious interview. You know what I'm saying? Just right. to kind of get to know each other. She got to bet you. Right. That did not happen. 
So I got pregnant and he was like, I guess we're just gonna get to get married. All right, we did that in the religion. Um, he moved into my building. I had a five, uh, what is it, a 10 unit building mm -hmm. and moved up on the top floor. I didn't meet her for about a year and a half after they had their second dog, their second kid. I had already had mine. You think she knew about you? Of course she did because she moved into my building. She couldn't stand me. Well, to be fair, we couldn't stand each other because we didn't know each other. We just knew of each other. Right. It wasn't until I needed to be in her presence because she needed my help for something. She and I started talking. Mm. And two women talking, started comparing notes, starting to say, wait, hold up. He said, what to you? So basically he was playing us both at the same time. So what we thought we knew about each other. Wasn't even know. the case. Right. Yeah. So once we figured that out, it was like, all right, eventually they separated. Eventually he and I separated and he married, like I said, a, a million more times after that. So mm. it, listen, it was hard because I tried to become Muslim for him because I thought maybe that would they would accept me because his family wouldn't accept me. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. 
Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. His family wouldn't accept me. Mm. Do you know why now? Yeah. I wasn't Muslim. Oh, because he chose. No, I mean, his father was an imam. Mm -hmm. So he was very, very strict. He just did not like me. He called me a project rat. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, he wasn't even born in the projects. (laughs) That man could not stand me. He would walk past his own grandkid. That's how much. We lived in the same exact building and they would walk right by me and they would not speak to me. I wonder why they they hated you so much. Because I just, I didn't fit the bill of what he wanted his son to have as a wife. Mm. You know, I I was like, I mean, I was shaped thin. So I liked short tops, you know, short shorts. I didn't know any better, you know, and he, to him, that's disrespectful. You don't walk around looking like that. Well, they prefer, most of the women in the community is um, clothes, so... Right. See, I didn't know that. I'm I'm just off the beach. This is how we get down. You know, I'm sorry. My bad. I didn't mean I was offensive. Right. But they just, they're going to do what their brother wanted, you know? And when we were in this building, I would watch his family go pile up in the cars, you know, because his brother lived in one of the apartments upstairs. So the big family on the top floor. Right. While I'm upstairs, his second wife with his kids. And I was never not once invited to one family function because I was not accepted. Mm. He would never take the kids. I'd have to sit there and watch him. I would just sit in the window and watch him pile up his wife and his kids. And oh, how did that feel? It was heartbreaking. Right. Because you know, like my kids are just as, you don't have to take me. You won't even take your own kids. Like this is a like Eid. 
this is something that you are supposed to show them and educate them. You right. Know what you so, no, he just didn't. So, right. So I'm assuming you're not Muslim no more. No, I wasn't. I'm, nope. Nope. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> After my dad died, I was like, I was crying. I was heartbroken. And I was just boohoo. And like my dad was my first death ever in life. And I was like, I don't know how to handle this. He was like, listen, your dad is dead. Get over it. A word? Okay. And the next day, you know what I did? I took off my headscarf and I pulled out the shortest dress in my closet. And that's what I did. That was it for me. Nope. Because you, what? Right. Are you crazy? After a whole year, you're going to tell me, get over it. And it, matter of fact, it wasn't even a whole year. It was actually a few months. It was a few months after my dad had died. Wait, how old were you doing this time? Um, see, we got together when I was 16. I had Imani when I was 19. So let's just say we got together, let's say officially maybe around 18, 19 years old. Wow. Until I was about 27. Wow. So then when did you meet the next guy? Because the next guy you was in a relationship with for over 10 years. Yes, I met him about a year later. Wow. And I feel like this relationship, this is the one that really affected you. Yeah, it did. It did. Um, it did for a lot of reasons. Because um, I'm assuming so somebody in his family passed away that you was close to. No. Oh, okay, because I was watching one of the videos and you were saying how somebody passed away, but I guess they wasn't accepting of the relationship that you was in with him. No, no, that was my mother. Yeah. Oh. My mother. Um... Listen, I did my research on you. So you did, girl. I'm like, what? <laughs> yes, my mother. My mother was dying. Right. And... When I told him I was pregnant, he couldn't handle it. And this was three days after my mom. I know it was a week after my mom had passed. And your brother he, had passed away recently around this yeah, time. Passed, yep, he had passed. See, my brother passed away like on April 8th. Right. Of 2008. My mom died April 29th. She died literally three weeks on, that on a Tuesday. She died three weeks later. And five months after that, my grandmother died. Right. All while I was pregnant. Wow. Yeah. He walked out on me and that broke me. I didn't realize it broke me. And so much, much later, but it did. I just hadn't had a chance to really come to the surface because I was too busy mourning, you know, and then I couldn't even do that because I didn't have anybody to lean on. Right. My mom died. That was it. Right. You know, he, well, he left. So I was like, oh, now I really have nobody, you know, and then I'm pregnant. And wasn't his girl pregnant too? Yeah, yeah. They're about five months apart. Wow. Wait, so how did you meet him? I met him in a club. Hanging <laughs> Yo, out. Yo, you, you was lit. <laughs> I wish y'all could see her face. <laughs> Listen, one thing for certain, I know you had a good time. <laughs> Yo, if I'd have known. <laughs> I'd have just said, no, I'm not going out tonight. Right. <laughs> so but you I met him. I met him in the club, um, which is so funny because I was working in a ad agency and I make friends on the phone. So I did that. And over the course of the year that I was there, I just made friends with a guy named Johnny. We're just hanging out. He was like, let's go out. I was like, okay, let's go. Right. He was a slew of his friends. I bring my girls and Bobby was sitting right there. Now imagine in slow motion, you know how you see when you finally see somebody on TV for the first time and then they show like, like, like ah. parks and... <laughs> 
slow motion. And that's, that's what happened to me. Mm. Because I still remember, I still see him sitting on that table, the end table in his calfskin leather jacket, his freaking blue jeans, his shoes and his satin button down green shirt. He was so fun. Damn it. I could tell. <laughs> I could tell by your face. <laughs> so wait, you went up to him or he came up to you? Like I didn't even know who he was. I mm-hmm. had no idea that he was a part of the party that I was getting ready to meet up. With. Oh, Johnny's party. Yeah. So it was Johnny's fault. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's what happened. So we met and Johnny wanted to go somewhere else. And I don't know. We just ended up going to a different club. Take, you know, took my girls and we just went and hung out. And that night, that was it. That was it. So when did you find out he was with someone else? When he told me she was pregnant. When you was pregnant? <clears throat> she was pregnant and she lost the baby. Oh. About three months into the relationship. After I was already knee deep in love with this man. Because mm. and- I was... Uh-huh. Oh, no, go ahead. I was going to say, like... I, I, when he told me this, I, <laughs> for real, like, you think you really got one? <laughs> wow. I it was, you know, and I knew I should have walked away, but I just couldn't. Mm. I, couldn't. I, I, I couldn't. Mm. Yeah. So. Um, why, what, what made you, like, what, what, why do you think you stayed? Oh, I was in love with that man. I could not help it. I never felt that way before. I didn't know that I could love someone that much. Right. Didn't realize that it was that I was capable of that because of how restricted it's always been for me. Right. Have somebody who gives me so much, you know, in the beginning, like we went out, you know what I'm saying? Like until like he like okay he had a a fire in his house and after that it was like all right we stopped going out because he needed to be able to save but i would go see him like a fire fire yeah like his whole house was like (laughs) oh wow but during that time we got really really close Mm. you know and hearing his story and it's probably bs now but hearing his story and i just wanted to just Love him, you right. know. I didn't want to fix him. I never wanted to compete. I didn't want to be number one. I didn't want to space at the table. Really? I just no. I never did. I never did. One of the things that he had said to me once I finally said I wasn't going to go nowhere, he had already told me. He was like, "I'm letting you know now. I'm never leaving her." And I said, "Okay." And I respected it. I did not want, and that's the crazy part. I never wanted to be number one. It was never my intention. I just wanted to know that I could love him more than she could. Wow. So what I did was I took all of those disadvantages, all those things that he would talk about. Oh, yes, she does. And he didn't talk about her very often. He was was as respectful as he could be in that situation. But the few things he did tell me, it was like, oh, okay, so I'm going to be better than that. Right. I'm not going to do that. It was like it was just a it was like a competition for me. It was a comparison, and it was only meant for me. Where do you think that stemmed from? My dad. Mm. Just 
constantly needing to feel like, all right, if I can prove that I'm prettier than my sister or I can swim faster than my other sister, then maybe my dad will actually love me. Right. Because he's telling me that I'm unlovable because of how I look. Mm. There's got to be something else. I I have to have something else to give you. If you're telling me I'm not pretty enough for you to say you love me, then what else can I do? Right. So, yeah, and it took me a long time to figure that out. It took me a long, long time to really understand why I do these things. Because I don't have a problem with it at all. You know, I just don't have the emotions. I'm like a male. Mm. When it comes to that, I just... And I, I, I don't like that about my part because I don't like being second. Right. You know, it was really hard. And it was even harder because it's like when I when we started having children together, I had to say, okay, I'm going to swallow my pride, take the baby, and as long as she's treating her good, whatever. So wait, so how many kids you have with him? Two. So and how many kids she have with him? Two. Nah, you, that's, I, I, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> Cause they, they, you got, that could not have been as easy as you making it sound like that had to be hard. Like, was he there for you throughout your pregnancy and stuff? He tried to be there the best way he could. But when she found out about the pregnancy the first time, he had to do damage control. Mm. And I felt like I was strong enough. He also ended up in a motorcycle accident a few weeks before I was due to give birth. Was he really so, in an accident? No, he really was. He was like, they said that out of 13 people that got hit, he was the only one that survived out of that month out of the motorcycle accidents. So apparently he was waiting for the light to turn. Car came and swiped him and hit him, and he ended up flying underneath another car. What? So wait, so is he still with her now? Yeah. She stayed with him this whole time, through thick and thin. She has nothing but respect for me. From me. Wow. So do y'all talk? Not at all. We've never spoke. We spoke one time. I can't even say we've never spoken. Because after so many years... She was begging him to let us talk. So one day he went and put her on the phone and she went right at me, which was to be expected, which was to be expected because I sure I've overstepped a couple of boundaries because I did have a relationship with or a friendship with their daughter whenever he would bring her here. Nah, he, that's a different type of man. (laughs) That's a different type of man. (laughs) He was like, he was going to be a part of his kid's life, whether she liked it or not. Right. No. So it was hard because I had to get used to my child calling somebody else mommy. Why would she call her mommy? Because she didn't know any better. She didn't know that that wasn't mommy because she's following behind her older sister. Right. And Jordan was at, in Brooklyn like when she was two, three months old. Right. You know, I was like, look, take her. Go ahead. You know, as your child, too. I knew I was going to share her. 
I just didn't expect it to be as hard because whenever they would go on family vacations, it was just another thing that I was missing out on because I'm sitting at home while my child is on family vacation with another family. But you didn't think that you deserve more? Like, like it never crossed your mind and be like, 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 why not me? Like, am I not good enough? Nope, because I was raising, at the time I was raising three children by myself. And then I had my godchildren who came over all the time. I had a house full of children. Mm. I always felt like I was needed. You know, I always had an open door policy. Whenever my kids had friends that needed some place to come, they knew they could come to my house. Right. I was, I always played safe haven for children. Right. So it just never, none of those questions never, not once came to my mind until after my mom died. Did your mom know about what was going on? And what did she say? He, he used to come to family vacation. I mean, family um outings, you know, 4th of July, he'd pop up. Any events I had, he'd find a way to come. He'd find a way to be here for a holiday, you know, even if he had to lie about it. He, he still, he made the effort. My mom, the last thing she said to me before she died, she was like, you just can't help but compete with that girl. Because she knew, I told her I was pregnant. I had just found out I was pregnant. Hmm. So I think that my mom didn't really, she never really, we never really talked about it. Honestly, honestly speaking, now that I think about it, I think, I don't know. I know that I was really in the clouds over this dude. So she might've, and I wouldn't remember, but I doubt it. Cause I probably, I feel like I would have remembered that. Right. Have you, have you ever seen your mom in a, like in a healthy relationship with other men? My mother's never been in a relationship. Wow. He, he, once she had us, she swore to protect my sister and I by not having men around us. Yeah. So that's what she did. And that's how I was able. That's why I think that's the reason why I am the way I am now, because those types of thoughts didn't, you know, didn't come for me because I thought that, okay, let me have this relationship, but let me keep him at bay because I don't want any men around my kids. Yeah. I didn't raise my children around men at all. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Unless it was just Bobby or family. I wasn't the type of parent that hung out like on my block. I was, I was the goofball. I got teased a lot. I got threatened to get sliced in my face because mm -hmm. of how different it was. So I stayed to myself. Right. I raised children by myself. That's how my mom was. That's one thing I I can't say. She didn't play about men being around us. Yeah, mm -mm. and I'm Not like that with my life. yeah. I'm like that with my nieces. Like I don't play no games with these men. <laughs> you can't. Mm -mm. Yeah, yeah. So what made you? How did the relationship? Like how did you stop messing with him? <clears throat> Believe it or not, I remember he was just ready i think he might have been at that place where he might have been ready to commit more to me you know why he was still having, with the other woman yeah i think they were like having so many like i mean don't get me wrong their relationship will never be the same oh yeah yeah for sure so i guess there was a point where he was ready to actually see about making it work with me but damage was done by then my son was I don't even remember how old Matthew was when I finally said, I just don't want to do this anymore. I just don't. Like, I fell out of love with him. Why? 
I think this just the years of always putting myself on the back burner to please him. Mm-hmm. You know, going out of my way of putting my feelings to the side. And you're not, it's not being reciprocated. Exactly. And when my mom died, something in me died with her. Mm. That ability to deal with that bullshit. Right. Because my mother was my best friend. That was my world. That was she, she was my, my everything. And when she died and then he walked out of me and I had nobody. Yeah. Like that was messed up. Yeah. But it would it, it you know what? He taught me a very, very valuable lesson. He taught me that God will always come first in my life. Because if you cannot walk on water, then I cannot put you before me. Yeah. God will always come before me. And that was a lesson I learned. And I had to go through that. Yeah. Yeah. And then being down in Georgia, he'll come, you know, he would come to see the kids and he'd sit, you know, can I spend the night on the couch? No problem. But, you know, we weren't speaking. So why would you want to be in the same space as me? Like, we we don't speak at all, but you're that cheap. <laughs> you don't want to go <laughs> to a hotel. <laughs> right, right. No, but it's just, I don't know. After a while, it's like, I'm going through perimenopause and this is like, the worst thing a woman can possibly go through, especially if you're a black woman. Right. And to have to go through this by myself, to be in the hospital and have nobody. You just felt you know, alone. I was. I was oh, I was devastated. We were going for in our second eviction in three years because Georgia does not play. Right. We didn't know that. And, of course, it was during that time when I was looking out for, you know, anyone to help me. You know, I'm always there for everybody. Right. And that was my I need a little bit of help. And nobody. 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 So, yes. Where does he live at? Does he he live in Georgia with you, like nearby or? Oh, he lives in Brooklyn. Oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That would have broke my heart just to be alone like that. I mean, I felt like I earned it. Because of all the years that I spent hurting that one, you know, hurting somebody else. You feel like that was your karma? It's just fair mm-hmm. because the last five years that I've been by myself working on myself. Now I say now that I'm ready for a relationship because everything that I'm done, everything that I've done, I paid for it. Mm. I paid because when I tell you going through this perimenopause by myself is probably the worst is the absolute loneliest, most isolating feeling in the world. Mm. It just is. And yeah, I earned it. I'm not going to lie. When you was, um, you made a comment in one of your videos, you were saying how you've been the other woman throughout your entire life. And I was just like, wow. Like since Mm -hmm. you met your best friend at 13 to you being a woman of a certain age now. And I'm just like, damn, like that's just crazy. Yeah. So how, oh, go ahead. I was young and naive. I didn't under, I didn't know that. I didn't even know what manipulation was. I again, my mother didn't raise me or and my sister around things like that. So it was I didn't know what it was. So yeah, I was Cuz you got to so, be around your people. You can't be around Trailer Park. Trailer Park Weiss is different. 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 
something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, 
and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trey Park Weiss is different. (laughs) (laughs) Like, white people alone is different, but Trailer Park? (laughs) No, I'm telling you. Like, dead ass. Like, come on, y'all could have been in the hood. Because I mean, you know what? We lived in hotels. Right. I don't ever, I don't ever remember growing up having an apartment. Our mm. first apartment was in New York when I was about fifteen years old. Right. That was the first time because my mother, she just she tried. She just couldn't. No, it's hard do, out here. You know, but she's like that everywhere. We're like in Florida, we moved. I mean, not Florida, in Arizona, we moved like five times. You know, and then when we got to Florida, we just moved into a, the motel that was across the street from the beach and we stayed there for a year wow. a school year then she did the same thing later you know it's just it was hard because it's like alright I'm trying to fit in you know and he saw that I was trying to fit in and right. nobody let me in because I was so different like everybody wanted to beat me up I'm like why like, yeah. because I talk different right. you know I, I dress different I didn't understand about name brands I mean Right. Like my mom afford champs. I'm like, I didn't know champs wasn't a non-name brand. Ain't hey, champ champs is in now. Yeah, well they weren't in when I was younger. <laughs> right. LA Gears were. I mean, I, at least that was a step up. Right. But he was my only friend, and for a long time, that was all I knew. Right. Know that he was being dishonest about his relationship. How did I know? I'd right. been around him for so long because he was always around me. Mm-hmm. Like always around me. I'm like, if he had a wife, how? Yeah, because girl, when I say always around me, it was so bad. I don't know how these men make the time. I I really don't because they the fact that these men be having multiple women in their lives and they spend a lot of time with each one of them is is amazing. I don't yo. I don't know how they do it. I don't. I mean, I. See, I guess the thing, the reason why we stayed together so long was because he was able to at least be honest with me. Well, yeah. I'm not going to come see you. I'm not going to be around for a couple of weeks, you know, because whatever. Okay. Because, you know, you're getting on my nerves. She's getting on my nerves. There have been those times when I'd go for weeks and he would not want to be bothered with me. Mm. It's like, okay. Do you think it's another woman involved? If there is at this point. It don't even matter. It does not because there was a woman after me and mm. I told him, I said to him, I said, you really think that's a smart idea? Now that you have four children, not two, now you are banking with four. You're going to bring another woman into a relationship, into a, your household with your girl. Now, after everything that she's already been through, she hasn't cut your dick off. Right. She hasn't tried to slit your throat. She's stayed with you. Through two children? And you want to bring another woman in? I wonder why she stayed with him. This is my personal opinion. The way 
my kids have talked to me about how he does. He doesn't respect her the way he should. He talks down to her. He's mm. to me. I, I don't know. I've never heard him talk to her. I've heard him talk about things about her. Right. But I feel like she is. She's comfortable. She knows what to expect with him. If the, what worse could he possibly do? Yeah, I mean, having a baby on somebody—that's it, right there. And, and doing it twice, right? And then having a son, literally like five months. No, no. She found out about Matthew, baby number five, the day she came home from the hospital with her baby. Oh man, that's heartbreaking. My daughter, she, but what's funny was, um, I told Jordan she wasn't allowed to say anything. And that was another thing that I do regret. I had to always try to keep our daughter in the mix of our stuff so that she wouldn't go to Brooklyn and snitch. So wow. she found out when I told everybody that I was pregnant, I told Jordan, like, you got to keep it on the down low until after, you know, whatever, this woman has her baby. And she did just that. How she old was Jordan? Ooh, she must have been every bit of six, five, five, six. Wow. Yeah, I think she was five. She was young, but she didn't say a word. She she stayed tight lipped until that woman popped that baby out, and then she said, "My kids too." What? Do y'all ever talk about that? Because I'm now I'm assuming she's way older now. Oh yeah, no, Jordan is twenty one. Do y'all talk about it or like? Um. Well, I talk about my side with them all the time. I don't know if their father talks about it because I feel like he's a liar anyway. Right. But I've always been honest. I've always been honest when it came to at least what's going on over here with the kids so that they at least are aware. Right. Um, I never got in the way of the relationship with his girlfriend. You know, I am very thankful to her that she loves him as much as she does because it could have been a lot worse. And she, went out of her way to make sure that it wasn't, you know, she might have a little bit of a conflict with my youngest son, but that's to be expected because of the simple fact that you're the second baby. Right. And the baby. And my son looks the most like him, like takes after him and everything. It's crazy. My son was even born with six digits, just like his father. Yeah. Wow. Oh, there was no denying that. You know, one day y'all gonna y'all gonna have a conversation. Who me and her, right? Yeah, it's it's it's, well, it's gonna something gonna happen where it's gonna force y'all to have a conversation. My kids always say, "Mommy, you and her are so much like because we're both Virgos." Mm. So they always both say, "Y'all trying to be perfectionists." Yeah, but yeah, well, don't get me started on you. Right, <laughs> trying to be number one. <laughs> You know, now I I don't I don't have that feeling anymore. Mm. It's gone. It's gone. Like I don't I don't care. I don't want any more men coming in my. I mean, don't come to me if you got a girlfriend, you got a situation, you got a boyfriend. I don't want to hear it. I'm not <laughs> not good. a boyfriend. <laughs> Yo, because you got to ask nowadays. Yeah, yeah. You no, know, you can't even just ask for your name and your social. I need to know what what are you working with? Right. Right. Okay. Do, mean you, do you feel like your how you view yourself and how you was treated as a child? Like, do you feel like your self esteem played a role in any of this? Almost definitely. I had. It was very hard for me to figure out where I belonged. I didn't belong 
anywhere. You know, right. I was too black to be white and I was too white to be black. And it forced me to stay to myself and kind of just, you know, just be, just be. Yeah. I didn't know how to live. And even when I was trying to become a model early, early on, you know, when I was like 13, 14 years old, I was told then I was too ugly. So mm-hmm. it did hit me hard. So I figured I'm going to have to just not focus on this, the physical aspect, but I'm going to have to make myself more appealing in other ways. Right. So I made myself more sexier. Mm-hmm. I made myself as scared as I am, or was, I'm not as scared, but scared as I was inside, I could not let anybody else see that because if I couldn't at least be funny, what would I, what could I give them? Cause I'm not pretty. So I gotta be funny. But you don't think you're pretty? I what? I, back then, girl, please. Because I thought I was supposed to be white. I was mad when my mom told me I was getting hips. I was like, no, I want a flat ass. Right. And your mom is black. Yes. I am trying to get a butt now. <laughs> Yo, that's crazy. So what is your relationship like with your sister now? Are y'all like. Unfortunately, I'm living in her apartment right now. And I haven't been able to pay this rent in over two years. So it's not that great. Mm. I probably don't speak. I have to be out by September. So um, I just actually went to home base today to mm. try to apply for some help because I don't want to end up on the street with right. my son. Now, I know she wouldn't. I know my sister wouldn't do that, but I know she's tired. And I, I don't blame her at all. At all. Right. It should be circumstances. Like, would I say this perimenopause is really, really hard for me? Because I have BMS. Mm-hmm. And what's that for the listeners who don't know? That's vasomotor syndrome. That is perimenopause on the extreme. You know, there's going to be like 20% of women will never have a symptom. And then you're going to have your 60% of women that are going to have like the moderate, the hot flashes and stuff. And then you're going to have that other 20% where they have excessive symptoms. I have excessive symptoms. I've had hot flashes that come every hour on the hour for months. Mm-hmm. And I lose weight because of the stress. You know, the I, I go through so many other symptoms. Forget about sleeping. Right. So it's been a rough, rough last two years for myself. Mm. Like, how long does those symptoms last? Well, for black women, anywhere up between 10 to 15 years. It's supposed to be six to seven years. It's supposed to be six to seven years for white women. And it's a little bit more for black women. Yes. Why? Because our symptoms are always going to be more severe because the majority of you. I'm testing this out as we speak. It is stress related. If you're black, you're going to be stressed. Right. Because there's so many articles that I've read on just how perimenopause and menopause affects the women of color as opposed to the white women. Mm-hmm. We get it worse. And then the problem is we don't get the medical uh, stuff that we need because I guess they feel like we just don't need it. Right. I don't know. I was going to ask you, is there a medication that you can take for it? Well, I tried to take hormone replacement therapy last year and I couldn't. I took some estrogen and a week into the medication, I passed out. Didn't even, yeah, stand, I went to go stand up to go walk my dogs and woke up on the floor with a, a mouthful of blood and a big old knot. So my doctor took me off of that. 
Then she put me on something else. And that made me violently sick. Wow. When I say I was in the kitchen because I I couldn't make it to the bathroom. And my son walked in and he had the look on his face because I had, I just, I couldn't get up. I was throwing up all over the place. And then it made you drowsy at the same time. Then I'm sweating at the same time. Not so you, you're pretty, you can't work like this. No, but I'm going to have to now. Because what I did was I cannot, in order for me to, to manage my symptoms, I have to fix the problems that are going on with inside of me. I feel very bad that I have not been able to pull my weight. As a woman, I feel bad. And it's my sister who I'm fucking over. Excuse my language. Who I'm. Um, no, no, you're right. Oh, thank you. And I need to do something. I can't stay like this. I'm not getting any help financially, except for the little bit that I get from public assistance. I'm going to have to work through it. I'm going to be working with the parks department and I'm just going to have to suck it up. I have to. Right. I have to because I have a skincare business that I want to get off the ground. That's going to be my life. That's what I want to do. I want to create skincare products for women of color. Right. Have you forgiven yourself through everything you've been through? Because I feel like just hearing your story and like having a conversation with you, like I, I know there's been some times you've probably been like, what the fuck? Like, because even when it was another video you did and you was like, look, I, I don't have anything. Like I didn't, I don't, I didn't gain nothing. All I have is my kids. Mm-hmm. Like, have you forgiven yourself? Eventually I did. Yes, I have. I had to. Yeah. Only way I was going to stop listening to those abusive words that a man had said 20 plus years ago. That was the only way I was going to be able to see myself for whom I wanted to see and not what I keep hearing everybody else saying, you know, or doing. I just, yeah, I have because I've given myself permission to love myself. Yeah. Do you think that you would be able to be in a monogamous relationship? Um, Because I feel like with you being on the other side, I feel like it may have impacted your perspective on trust and fidelity and the value of just being in a committed and transparent relationship. Because you might feel like niggas ain't shit. <laughs> well, I kind of already feel that now. Right. But, you know, I can't. I don't want to give up hope that there's mm-hmm. somebody out there for me. Do I worry about a man cheating on me? Yeah, but I'm to the point now in my life where if I, if who I am isn't enough for you and you need somebody else, then knock yourself out. Like, I'm not going to chase behind nobody. Right. I, I don't have it in me. I work too hard to gain the type of love for myself that I'm going to put in me. I'm not putting it in anybody else anymore. Right, right. You know? And I've earned that. Right. So what made you decide to be celibate? Because you've been celibate for like, what, five years now? Six years. I just wanted, I felt like if I actually just gave myself a chance to really just stay by myself and mm-hmm. truly get to know who I am, I could shake that that energy that keeps attracting unavailable men to me. Right. Because that was all that was coming at me. Mm. So I used to have my pick. I could pick. It's like, oh, I could get Tuesday, Wednesday. I could have him for Thursday, and that's what I was. I was <laughs> after I broke up with the last one. <laughs> now I know you was out here. You, <laughs> I was. I had to put my feet in the water for a little bit. Let me see what this is about. Right. And then, and that didn't last long because I guess after a while, I was like, dang, all right, I really am coming home to by my, you know, by myself. Yeah. 
And once I got past the physical aspect of it, because I'm like, all right, you guys just blowing minds. Like, right. Were you happy with these men? No, but it was just about, it was just about to get them. That was it. It was just literally that I want to be able to conquer you to see if I can. Yeah. That's all I wanted. I didn't, I don't want, I'm not a gold digger. I don't want your money. I just want to know that I can do it. Mm. You know, so I feel like five years by myself, come away from that type of energy, and maybe one day somebody will walk into my life. And if they don't, I'm perfectly okay with being by myself. Right. Are you happy now? Yes. That's good. I am. I am. After a very long time and a lot of freaking nasty ass comments, yes, because nobody can say anything to me that is going to take away who I am. Right. You know, been there, done that, and I've moved on. Right. So I want to become an influencer. I want to influence more women to teach them how to cope with their perimenopause. Black women do not know how to cope with this. Yeah. I did not know how to cope with this. I did not know what this was. I mean, we don't even have access to the resources. No, no. My own specialist, who's a white doctor, she's very sweet, by the way. She didn't even tell me what VMS was. She didn't use any technical terms. She just threw medicine my way. Right. You know, so I've spent the last year and some change really getting me deep into it. Because once I passed out, because I thought I could, that could have been the train station. Yeah. You know? I, or you could have passed out for good, depending on how bad you passed out. You know what I'm saying? Crazy, yo. Yeah. A big old goose knot on my head and blood in my mouth? No. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. I want to be able to teach other women how to do this as naturally as possible. I do chakra healing. I do yoga. I just bought the silver mind control method because I'm going to learn how to control these horrible, horrible symptoms using my mind. And yeah. I, I know it sounds crazy. No, I don't. Thing, you can do a lot. If we can, manifest, if we can manifest positive energy to mm-hmm. bring things to us, then why can't we continue to heal our body? You, know? you can. Exactly. Because if you're telling me as a black woman that the only way I'm going to have any peace of mind is if I get on medication that's obviously I'm going to have to get off eventually but could potentially give me more problems, then I need I need other alternatives. Yeah. I need something else. It's time so for a I, holistic um, approach. Yeah. So I just started doing my own research. And I'm doing it from a cheap... Because I'm like, all right, the way I do my videos, I... Listen, I, I'm an EBT fanatic. I have an EBT card. Yes, I am on public assistance. Mm-hmm. I can show how to shop. You know, I right. put it out I don't give people a chance to come at me and be like, oh, you're doing this. Yeah, because I'm broke. Right. <laughs> and show you how to do this if you're broke. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm trying to put you on the game. Exactly. This is how my skincare products manifest. And this is how my business became more than just a hobby. Because I was buying all of my things using my EBT card because of how dry my skin was becoming from the amount of sweating that I do. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's crazy. And they don't tell you about this. I just, uh Yeah. We should not be going through depression the way we go through it hormonally through this thing. We should not be feeling the way we feel. There's no reason for us as black women to feel the way we feel in our bodies when we're going through this. Right. No, I agree. 
everything else. You know, it's just. And this is the only way that we're going to be able to do anything about it because we're having more conversations surrounding the topic at hand. So yes, I think what I mean, you're doing is amazing because a lot of women, especially women who don't have the resources, don't know where to start or don't even know what the hell is going on with them. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard because I'm actually on a couple of Facebook forums for menopause, for menopause to share my stories and my experiences. And I find it very fascinating that I know that a lot of black women are having issues, but we just don't talk about it. There's so yeah. many more on there, white women who talk more and more about their, like they knee deep and personal in some of their symptoms. But you know, we was raised not to do that though. Like what goes on in the oh. house stays in the house. See, I wasn't raised around that. <laughs> I mean, true. Yeah. <laughs> but from, from the other black women, yeah, I know. A lot of, I'm pretty sure a lot of them just feel, and some them, sometimes they just don't feel comfortable. Like, cause they feel like, I feel like one of the reasons why I started my platform, because I felt like I was going through so much stuff. And I'm like, damn, I'm the only one going through this. And then once you start to be transparent and you be open, yeah. that's how you build your community. And you realize that you ain't the only one that's going through it. And actually, somebody's actually going through it a lot worse than what you're doing. Exactly. <laughs> right. Cause I could have my period. And yeah. going so that's why I, I, I put a positive spin on that. Yeah. I stopped complaining because this last winter was really, really hard for me. Mm. And it was so bad for me that it actually made me think maybe it's time for me to check out. Wow. I can't see myself going because I was going to, I'm like, I can't see myself going through this for another 10 years because I'm sitting here. I have nobody that, feel sorry for me I, i'm sorry to say it that way but there's just very little compassion for me you know because i guess maybe because i'm such a strong mom and been such a strong mom that they look at me like yeah she got that you know right you ain't you gonna, where your homegirls at like do you have like best friends i have a I have one friend and mm. she lives in pa we're from phone friends i just once i started kind of doing my spiritual cleansing and just changing right universe just removed everybody you know everybody that was in a was draining on me that I could feel myself being pulled in a direction that I just didn't want to go into but because of the person that I am I was being pulled in that direction I just I didn't know how to say no right so the universe says I'm gonna do it for you yeah yeah so, so what is your advice that you would like to offer to women who find themselves as the other woman and have no plans to leave the situation? Just take a page out of my book and be prepared for the reality of being by yourself. As long I will never tell another woman to not follow their heart, but just understand the consequences behind it. Mm. Because if you stay for five years, 10 years or 20 years, it's still going to be an empty seat in the back. Mm. Because Either you're going to be tired of him or he's going to be tired of you because after so many years of of sneaking and sacrificing and not being able to do this or do that, you can't talk to this person. You can't. Eh. Who wants to go through that? And then to be like, okay, now you can have me all to yourself. Right. Okay. You know? So just find value in who you are. You know, take a step back and say, is this person really worth putting them before me? Mm. You know, and if that person is, then go ahead. <laughs> Do you think, Ma? <laughs> yeah, 
it took me a very long time and a very hard road to understand that I deserve to be number one. Mm. And I am not going to put myself back in a situation because there is no one where I'm going to be number two. I'm, I'm, I'm over it because I don't need anybody else to love me anymore. I don't need to prove that I deserve love. I'm not, I don't have to go to that. Right. None right. of us do. No. Now, I appreciate you. I think this was a very insightful conversation. Like, I know a lot of people, because I feel like a lot of times I always say that our childhood really affects our adulthood. And I feel like this is a great example of, like, you just never know how what we need can fester into other things as we get older. So I really appreciate you telling your story. Well, I am glad somebody was listening. Yes, no, it was really good. I appreciate you. And to the listeners, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please make sure to email me at hello at the phdpodcast.com. And until next time, everyone. Thank you so very much, girl. I had fun. Yes, yes, yes. No, we are. I'm going to definitely keep in contact with you. Please do. I appreciate it. I really would. That would be great. But until next time, everyone. Later. The Professional Home Girl Podcast is a production of the Black Effect Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. And you can connect with me on social media at the PHG Podcast. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, 
offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 